Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode, a very special episode of Second Take Cinema coming at you from the glorious Impala Films headquarters in sunny Southend-on-Sea. As always, I am Jamie Evans, joined as per usual by Rory Jocelyn. Hello everyone. And today we are honoured with a very special guest for a very special episode. It's Benton Hodges. Hello, how are we all? And today we're doing something a little bit different, folks, because today we are not doing a second take at all. First we are take. doing a first take, <laughs> a first take, a, a pre-take before anyone else has done a first take, actually. Today we are honoured to say that Hammer, the infamous uh, horror studio, have very kindly sent us a preview screener of their new movie, Dr. Jekyll. Releasing on Monday the 11th of March in digital platforms such as Apple TV, Google, Microsoft. Do Microsoft have a streaming service now? Yeah, it's part of their Xbox package, I think. Oh, wonderful. Microsoft, Amazon, Rakuten and Sky. This is directed by Joe Stevenson and stars Eddie Izzard, Scott Chambers, Lindsay Duncan, Simon Callow, Jonathan Hyde, Morgan Watkins and Robin Cara. Uh, this is the 90th anniversary of Hammer Films, Ooh. and uh, I believe is sort of a big comeback for them, because I don't think they've done anything. About four uh, four years. The Lodge, is, the Lodge is their last one, which was the Lodge is four the last years one. ago, yeah. I thought it was ten years. I thought Woman in Black was the last one. Well done. Mm-hmm. With the knowledge, Benton, that's yeah, why you're right. on the show. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's run the credits. So as I say, we are absolutely flattered and honoured that Hammer chose us to uh, watch this film early. As I say, doesn't release till the 11th of March, and we're watching it on the 22nd of February, like the badasses that we are. Um, so, boys, before we begin, um, how familiar are either of you with the story of Jekyll and Hyde? I'll let Benton go first. Uh, I have the original um, and read it a very, very, very long time ago. Um, and I, I understand it's a guy. Science experiment goes wrong, and Jekyll, uh, Jekyll is the the kindly doctor. Hyde is an empathy less, um, um, sometimes killing machine, sometimes just manipulative asshole. Mm. Um, who's obviously appeared uh, as he's come out of the public into the public domain has appeared again and again and again. Even the the, the dark CU. Oh, the Dark Universe. Yeah, uh, Russell Crowe plays him, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, and he's yeah, yeah. Uh, he's in the 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 League of Extra- Is he in the League of Extraordinary? I think it is League of Extraordinary because that's I where I think is. I've seen. 
I think he is. He's also in Van Helsing. Yes. Uh, right at the beginning in Notre Dame. Mm. Yes. So he's he's obviously entered, the, once he's entered the public domain, I mean, you could have him fucking find Godzilla if you want. It really doesn't matter <laughs> at that point. Don't ideas, Benton. But the worst I've seen is Moffat's. Moffat's Jekyll is by far the worst. Uh, with um, James Nesbitt in it. Yeah, that was yeah. a TV version. Was it a TV miniseries? It was indeed, yeah. Um, I don't get along with Moffat. No, no. <laughs> a lot of people don't. Mm. Uh, my memory, so I've not read the story for a very long time. I think I was like, I tell you what, I remember how I read the story. Uh, I got given an iPod Touch after iPod Touches had stopped being a thing. <laughs> someone just Because I don't do Apple. I don't get on with Apple. No. So, but, you know, someone gives you an iPod for free. You don't go, fuck off. You don't say, piss off. (laughs) And what I ended up using this iPod for, because I'm a cool kid, was I downloaded an app that was just about a thousand out-of-copyright books Mm. in e-book form. It was loads of, like, the Greek classics and things like that. Now, actually reading them on the little iPod was not actually that comfortable. But... Jekyll and Hyde is actually a short story, so I actually read Jekyll and Hyde. That's mm. how I read it on an iPod. Mm. My memory is it's very much the implication is that the idea is that there's a little Mr. Hyde in everybody, yeah, yeah. and Jekyll's potion just sort of removes those inhibitions or the societal constraints that yeah. would stop you. It's alcohol, basically. The dude was just necking tequila. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. the, it's that weird, it's that interpretation that in the same way that vampirism's supposed to be a a, a, a parallel of, of toxic relationships, I think in the same way it's one of those things that's kind of gotten watered down and hasn't really become the core idea in most Jekyll stories following in the same way that vampires have become sparkly, sparkly twinks. Um, <laughs> How about uh, a twunk? <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde has sort of become more super cybernetic super soldiers and demonic possessions and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, like we said, Van Helsing one, he's a big pink dude, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and then he was Russell Crowe. <laughs> that dude, that dude's got demons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Rory, were you familiar with Jekyll and Hyde at all? I'm mostly aware of it through cultural osmosis. It's obviously used and repurposed in a lot of different films and TV shows and referenced quite strongly because it's a a classic uh, horror story. The main interpretations I've seen outside of the ones that you said, Van Helsing and League of of Extraordinary Gentlemen, is uh, probably the Jerry Lewis Nutty Professor, Mm. which essentially is a, a... Mo- uh, then I suppose contemporary rather than modern would be the right term take on that where it's this time it's a sciencey nerd that no girl ever loves and he invents this potion that turns him into a sort of a cool crooner guy that can pull all the girls right. um, and then that eventually sort of that plays it less horror obviously that yeah, plays yeah. it more in the comedy sense and then what does play it as a horror and in the comics and then actually plays it more towards the comedy side in the film is the mask because technically the mask is a Jekyll and Hyde story yeah because uh, Stanley Ipkiss is an all over good guy a nice guy he puts on the mask and for wet lettuce yeah yeah and then when he puts on the mask he becomes this confident striking guy and part of the whole story of that is the reason that he in the film version he doesn't become a villain as much as anyone else who puts on the mask is because it all it does is enhances your natural inhibitions or, or your natural desires 
Um, so anyone has evil desires, it will bring those out. But if you only have goodness, like Ipkiss does, then it just boosts like his comedy factor. Yeah. Um, so things like that. But those are those are adaptations outside of the horror realm. The closest I've seen within horror is probably League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and Van Helsing. But let's be honest. Those are mostly action films, and they yeah. are horrors. Yeah. He was an AFK prevention in RuneScape. That AF- co- away from keyboard. Yeah, that core memory just got unlocked. Um, if you were ever like grinding something out and you weren't at the keyboard, you had these random events that would pop up. Just random shit would happen to mm. to kind of check that you were still there, so you weren't botting or anything. And one of them was that Doctor Jekyll would arrive and be like, "Please give me my potion." And if you did, he would give you like money. And if you didn't, he'd just slap the shit out of you and kill you. <laughs> so you'd come back to your keyboard, and your guy would just be dead. <laughs> he um, uh, he's also used just to show that he. To be honest, every possible exploitation of this story has been done uh he's actually a villain in the second season of marvel's agents of shield Fuck off, <laughs> played no. by kyle mcclacklin from twin peaks wow. and showgirls <laughs> and dune <laughs> and... the old dune not yeah, the yeah, new yeah. dune yeah. with timothee chalamet in it <laughs> new um, dune sounds like it should be a, it's like some modern scottish movie has there been a porn parody though <laughs> That's when you know that of, Dr. Jekyll is Of course they fucking have. It's got to be. I'm pretty sure I've seen at least three of them. <laughs> so we're very thankful to Hammer for asking us to do this. Um, it's a first for us. We've never been asked to do anything like this before. And I, I thought that it was very classy on Hammer's part. I just want to say before we get into this, I've always assumed that when maybe this is me being pessimistic but i've always assumed that when you're given screeners and asked to review something in advance that people are sort of like studios are like but only if you're going to say good things sort of thing um so actually i'm full props to hammer um i think it shows a lot of integrity on their part that they were like yeah you can say whatever you want um we we just want you to review the movie and so I guess that's a slight spoiler alert. Is this isn't a this isn't a super negative review, and it's not a super positive review. This isn't a perfect film. I don't think anyone would. I don't think anyone would see this film, see the trailer or the poster or anything like that, and go, "Oh, I'm expecting Citizen Kane." Well, it's a um, hammer horror. There's a certain element of cheese. There's a certain amount, you know, something of low budgetness. Look, yeah, yeah. It, which you wouldn't normally expect from like if you were looking at AAA movies, mm. you know. But that's not what this is meant to be. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So it's it's going to be a mixed bag, I think. Uh, the conversation, but I just want to sum up the plot very quickly. Uh, before we dive in, uh, without spoiling anything, because this is a bit of a unique take. It's obviously very loosely based on the Jekyll and Hyde story, set in a modern setting, and our main character is named Robert Stevenson after the original author, and he is a young man, I'd guess sort of early 20s was the vibe I was getting, who, at the start of the film, he's crashing on his brother's couch, and what we come to learn is he actually has recently gotten out of prison, and is in the phase of trying to get his life back together. Uh, you know, he obviously regrets what he's done, and we, we learn that he has a young daughter who, one of the terms of his parole and being able to see her again is he has to maintain a job. Uh, he goes for an interview at this 
country manor in the middle of nowhere. It is stated at, a little bit into the film that it's just outside of town from where he yeah. lives. Um, but it doesn't look... We never see the connection with where it is in yeah. relation it to the town. Look... It looks miles away. The town that we see is kind of... It almost looks London-esque. Well, yeah, it's but clearly this London, manor is in it? the middle of a field. Like there's 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 acres around yeah. it. It's like doesn't look connected. Um, and he goes for an in, an interview, and it's basically for a living carer. For and th- this is the bit that you kind of have to suspend your disbelief for, because it's a living carer for what we are told is the billionaire CEO of a pharmaceutical company. Yes. And you kind of have to suspend your disbelief at this bit because if you were actually the billionaire CEO of a pharmaceutical company, you would have an army of registered nurses at your disposal. I you think that's the point, though, any... that, that the, the story does come around later as to why they yeah. like, you know, why Jekyll chooses him yeah. and why Jekyll has probably not used registered, trained nurses, etc. Yeah. Um, he. She does have Sandra there, who's almost like a an official, um, trying to make sure that, like she's in charge of the hiring process until Doctor Jekyll sort of steamrolls it. Um, but she seems to be the closest we get to like an official on Doctor Jekyll. Yes, that being played said, by Dr. Lindsay Duncan. By yes, the way. yes. Uh, however, Doctor Jekyll herself does not seem to connect with her company there's not a lot of it's not like resident evil or something like that where there's like the umbrella corporation across all of the rooms yeah. um it's you know i it, don't it, think we ever even find out the name of her company do it's, we it, yeah it's such an unnecessary plot detail to what the story is trying to tell yeah. that they just don't even reveal it yeah um it's literally just i think a backstory as to why she's so rich yeah so he's set up as a living carer and we obviously know because we know the Jekyll and Hyde story. Everyone knows the Jekyll and Hyde story. We obviously know that some sort of shenanigans is going to go off. And we're not really going to say any more of the plot, so you can't really say it without spoiling it, except that the central tension of the film from this point forwards is based around, A, why did Jekyll choose this guy of all people? Yep. When he very clearly is not actually qualified for the job. No, not at all. And B, when is when is she going to become Hyde? Yeah. And that's that's not actually even built into the film. The film does nothing to hint at that. That comes entirely from the audience's wider understanding of a Jekyll film. It would be like if we made, say, a new Friday the 13th movie and the characters go to Crystal Lake and no one mentions Jason, but you're sat for the whole film going... When's Jason going to turn up and start hacking and slashing? Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. You, if, yeah if you watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and there was no murderous dreams, <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, it's going to come though, right? Like, you do, you expect it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I want to start then by talking about some of the performances. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting choice they went with with this main guy because it's it's not really... It's not a bad performance. He's very good at the character. Yeah. I'm not necessarily sure that that characterization was right for this story. But you might be keeping an image of, in your head of a hardened, score-taking, drug-dealing criminal. And you would be wrong. Yeah. This human is the wettest lettuce. 
<laughs> that I think has ever been put through a salad spinner. I don't know if it was the direction. Mm. I don't know if it was just the what he chose the character because it's it's not so much the way it's written, but it's it's almost like he's being in a rom com. He's yes. got that goofy. He's the goofy dorky dweeb that the hot girl overlooks until he's cool, yeah. but he doesn't get out of that phase. And he's yeah. just weirdly he like <laughs> after every line, and he's bumbling, and he never gets out of that. And it's it's so at odds where he's like, yeah, I'm a hardened criminal. <laughs> it's, it's like Michael Jack. If Michael Jackson started talking about how it was, if Michael Jackson started singing Hurt, it's like that. Right. It's someone hurt by Johnny Cash. Well, it's not originally. It's uh, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Shit. Could you imagine? But could Johnny you imagine Ka- someone who's who's quite effeminate, or someone who's just not hardened, singing a song about you know being? It, it's yeah. it's that weird. It, it's a really really. Uh, it's weird, isn't it? Because yeah. it's not a bad performance in the sense that he's very convincing with all his mannerisms yeah. and stuff. It just feels like the wrong choice for this movie yeah. yeah i recently watched a jennifer lawrence film so shocker i know but um was cool. it mother no it was no hard feelings oh you watch mother yeah oh, i have I seen was... i have seen mother oh i do um, want to see no i hard don't feelings. i don't particularly rate her as an actress um but that's i think just the the, the typical kind of ya girl is usually they don't really give you scope to actually be an actor you're, you're more or less just a a beige um, transparent window for people to kind of... You mean Jennifer Lawrence's first action heroine ever? <laughs> um, I hear Sigourney Weaver took a lot of notes from I know, right? <laughs> um, the Vampire Slayer was based on her. <laughs> her real life. But I I didn't particularly rate her in that, but she she's really good, got like good co- comic timing, and mm. I think just has this real give no fucks you can tell she's having fun kind of attitude that works really well but the guy she's supposed to be sleeping with the, the guy who the whole the whole premise is hey my nerdy virgin son who's a complete shut-in um won't socialize and is is super awkward this guy is more nerdy awkward virgin than the guy in the film about a nerdy awkward virgin who needs to be brought out of his shell yeah. the yeah. fact that this guy has a kid and he he looks 15 and has no presence, no poise, no anything. Which I'm not saying is a bad thing. It's, it's sometimes it's a great way to start a film by having a character who has absolutely zero prospects, yeah. and you look at him and think you will not survive in life. And then you know they surprise you, and they they you know they get broken down, and then they they die, and well, not die as in they they die in the monomyth sense of the the hero's journey, and come back greater. But this is just. He just starts a wet letter. He gets manhandled out of a window in the most pathetic <laughs> way possible. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it was. I'm, I'm not asking for it to be a fucking burly shaved head. I'm not asking for it to be the Ross rock Kemp or. But he's not burly. Is Jason Statham. Kemp is burly. He's fucking tiny. He was in Ultimate Force. <laughs> Ross Kemp on gangbangs. Wait, what? That's not right. That's not right. <laughs> You're is saying it? the wrong one again. <laughs> Damn it. But. Yeah, I'm not asking for every film to be Chris Hemsworth or Chris Evans and stuff like that, but there's 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 got to be... It, it, if he's a criminal, he needs to have a, a slightly harder 
underscoring element, even if he's fighting it. Yeah. That might have been an interesting simile yeah. as well if he was like constantly repressing, you know, even if he was a wet lettuce now, and he's just like, no, but it's because I've got these darker bits yeah. that or... I'm, you know, that I've been and I'm trying to now be a good guy. Yeah. And he's like repressed those. So, yeah, a, burst that would of, then... a burst of rage or something yeah, yeah. like that. And it's just like, and that that would also have helped with the interact, yeah, yeah fit the theme and it would have added to the interactions with if you've seen... his ex whenever he sees his ex, that whole sort of draw towards violence and be like no yeah. push if myself seen, away uh, God of War 4 <clears throat> where Kratos no. after years of, of you know ripping off someone's mandible to use it as a fucking like slingshot or something like that very Dr. The, Jekyll and Mr. <laughs> yeah who has absolutely <laughs> zero chill for mm. three whole games and basically kills the entire Greek pantheon runs away to go into hiding to try and give a new life and he's trying to teach his son restraint Mm. And teaching, and him trying to teach someone, him who has literally zero restraint, trying to set a good example for the kid, yeah, um, and holding back that rage, um, makes a really compelling story. And it it, it sounds because then that would be a really good juxtaposition against Doctor Jekyll holding back that rage, yeah, and um, that would also be a reason why Doctor Jekyll would see something in him. Yeah. That they go, I think this person could do what I need them to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we won't spoil that because that is a plot element. But, <laughs> but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, but... You just get this wet fucking character. <laughs> I think that might the be... Yeah, thing... I, I mean, Scott Chambers does play that sort of nerdy, wet character well. Um, but it just seems a bit... It just feels a bit disingenuous when yeah. he's constantly referred to as being from prison. He's the done only, hard time. The only thing I can think of as to why they might have gone that route, I'm yeah. not, and I'm not saying this excuses it, I'm just trying to get in their head and their thought process, but this film doesn't do a great job of building any tension, I'll be honest. Oh, I don't know. I quite enjoyed a lot of the tension. Okay, now imagine what little tension there is if... That guy actually was a big muscular guy, then, or or even harder. Like Joe, you know I'm wondering yeah. if they went. I'm wondering if they cast Eddie Izzard first and went right. This is our villain. Yeah, Eddie Eddie Izzard is at their most imposing in the opening shot when you can't quite. They're they're in quite a lot of natural light and they're quite they're quite an imposing figure. The second that they step out of the light and you see that it's it looks like. Um, you know when the shops, you know when you're working in retail and the shops just closing and that woman comes in who pays with everything in exact change. Yes, it's that. And if you imagine her chasing you around a house, going, "I'm Jekyll and I'm going to stab," it, it there's there's no imposition. Mm. It's it, I you, don't know. You have to hop. I, I I get what you mean. It's the same thing in in for instance, um, what's it called? Uh, misery. Yeah, where, that's the same misery. Yeah, mm. where obviously. James Khan's probably got like a good foot and a half on. Um, <laughs> I like that pun. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good pun, Ben. <laughs> He's got a good foot yeah. and a half. <laughs> um, then it just wouldn't be as it wouldn't be believable if she was chasing him around with a sledgehammer because he'd just turn and deck her. But it's because he's got that. He's got his legs taken out from him. Well, he's, he's literally anti. Yeah, he's being paralyzed, drugged, and then gets hobbled. Um, that you know, it, it, that when they're struggling around on the floor for the typewriter, you you believe he's one hundred percent in danger. And yeah. There's so much tension. Um, whereas Eddie Izzard, he's not he's not restrained there. The main character is not restrained there in any sense. Eddie the- Izzard doesn't have any sort of they have stage presence, but they don't have threatening presence. Yes, yeah. there is a oh. reason 
being the resident horror expert of the three, there is a reason 99.9% of the time the protagonist in a horror story is a woman. Can I, can I say something actually about about that? Yeah. I think... I, I do think there is a potential that you two are both being a bit harsh. Okay. And while I, while I do... I'm not saying that your opinions are wrong because your opinions are your opinions and obviously you watch the film and that's what you got from it. But I think where I'm viewing it slightly differently is the fact that obviously it's a hammer horror film. You guys are taking it as what does this do for horror? How does this work as a horror? Being honest, this plays a lot more like a drama. This yeah. feels more like a drama movie than it does a horror film. And I have read, I've read through, uh, included in this little press pack we got given, I read through the little director's statement. Yeah. And he does just, he does say that they actually set out to make a melodrama, not a horror. Right. It, and on that, in that sense, it actually plays a lot better. Yeah. I watched it because I, I don't really care for horror per se. Yeah. I watched it more as a drama and I was much more intrigued. Um, the, the fact that Eddie wasn't, terrifying or threatening to scott chambers didn't really worry me so much because i was more intrigued about the story of eddie Izzard's character mm. or dr jekyll of you know why they've hired this person where that's going um and i i was much more intrigued by the dramatic story than i was and don't get me wrong i have some negatives to say about that yeah. but I think it plays a lot better if you view it as a drama than if you go if you go and looking for a pure horror. Yeah, you won't enjoy it. Yeah, I think that there's there's room for both. If you even they don't have to be particularly imposing figure wise, but if um, if either of you seen the Killing Sister George the play, yeah, I came to see that, didn't I? With you, I yeah, think. yeah, yes, we did. We just we saw it together. Yeah, all we, the rope plot went. Yeah, didn't we got shit faced. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was this. It's a similar sort of thing in that. They, it's a relationship between two characters, but one turns on a dime. They've got, mm. they, they, they sort of, they're, they're not, um, they, they go from it's all really playful, funny. They're, they're imitating the Stooges, and then she puts an egg in her hat as like a little prank. But rather than her laughing, suddenly it goes full domestic abuse, and you, you fear for you fear for the younger girl's life and you you genuinely fear for her and it's that it really captures that wonderful feeling which i think is what they're going for yeah. where it's like buddy 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 horror buddy 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 awful buddy 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 but the but they weren't buddy buddy enough yes for this, the yeah, for the flip to work yeah, yeah. and yeah that's and, my and chief criticism with but the, then there's no yeah. I, as well yeah you don't you'd there's they keep not enough to... of the flips either, if I'm honest. Well, they keep trying to put, yeah. um, they keep trying to play Doctor Jekyll as this kind of strange, un, un, hard to understand, almost creature um, that uh, Scott Chambers has to look after. And the problem is, is if they're building the friendship, like when he brings the cereal and stuff like that, that is a nice bonding moment. But then it goes almost immediately back to, oh, well, I'm actually distant. You can't... And yeah. there's almost no relation. I think it's... And um, I think that's when... Jekyll's if, never vulnerable. Yeah. And there should... Yeah, that's absolutely it. If there was a little bit where they just talked and you learned more about their backstory, not the horror bit where it's like, my yeah. father did this or my grandfather did this. It, if it was just like sympathetic stories, yeah, then you'd be like more like... 
they could connect on a yeah. more emotional level and then the flips would yeah. work a lot better. I, I don't often say this. I'm usually the person watching films going, you could have cooked 20 minutes out of I that. was just about to say the exact same thing. Could have been a I bit know. longer. Could yeah, it? I it's think only 89 minutes. The crackhead girlfriend yeah. and the brother both needed motivations and a little bit more development yeah. just to fake, make the world feel a little bit more rounded out. And I was like, yeah. but the problem is it already feels a tad long. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, things I liked in it, I liked, I did like that I was on board with the mystery of how Nina Jekyll became, you know, this hermit living yeah. on her own until they actually revealed it. And then I was a bit like, oh, because I, I, I kind of thought, oh, all this big farmer stuff they're doing at the beginning. I was like, oh, they're going to have come up with some like modern take on it. And yeah. part of it was going a bit like, are we, are we going for a anti-vax story here is that what we're going to is that what we're about to do here kids <laughs> but once you find it out and you're just like oh i was a bit like oh yeah oh. i mean that's a spoiler isn't it but yeah. i think it's it's more and maybe maybe it's just because i wasn't paying as much attention but the figuring out when they were or when she was jekyll and when she was hyde sometimes the line got really really blurred and it's really yeah. hard to tell i think they were trying to keep it so like it would be a great twist but i think the problem was it wasn't defined enough either yeah um Plus, it, towards the end it was quite easily definable which one was which i thought but certainly up basically up to the point where they play chess yeah uh it's really too vague yeah after the point of playing chess, it becomes a little bit easier to discern. And you need to pick one or the other, because you can get away with that. You can get away with yeah. that if you want to go, okay, this is a more subtle, you know, we're not doing the Lon Chaney thing where he had the weird eyes and yeah. the uh, We're not doing the teeth. nutty professor. Yeah. But, <laughs> without spoiling it, there's more than one Jekyll and Hyde in this film because of flashbacks and whatnot. Mm. You notice that every other Jekyll and Hyde, there's a physical transformation. Yeah. yeah. Just not with Eddie Izzard. Which yes. is weird because obviously Eddie Izzard is the major. Yeah. Jekyll so pick one. Yeah. Like, it, fine. If you want to go this subtle route, yeah. Great. Do that. You need a better script where we literally never know. Like, yeah. imagine how tense that would be if you pulled that yeah. off. Yeah. And imagine a better writer than me writing a scene. I'll tell you what it'd be like. Imagine a whole film that is the scene from Inglorious Bastards where Christoph Waltz is talking to the French girl and you don't know if he knows that she's the one who escaped him. Or you don't know if he knows that there are the Jews under the floorboard at the beginning of the film. Either either or. It's that that scene where you You don't never know if the villain knows yeah yeah whereas this one it's not so much if you know whether the villain knows it's whether they're currently the villain yeah which is you know that's the problem obviously where you're you're, you're looking at film like when you're questioning the internal logic and, and stuff like that there's a yeah. lot of hand waving that yeah uh, i obviously we're getting into spoiler territory yeah. which we can't but no the um cinematography was was perfectly adequate there was some really good yes. shots um we talked a lot about how we liked especially at night time we really liked the use of yellow rather than blues yeah, yeah. rather than the traditional blue it was like a really sickly yellow as well yeah. wasn't yeah, it piss yellow sort of which yeah. quite lent into the theme of of this person being you know needing care or being ill yeah. sickness yeah. definitely really lent into that. um the, i like the fact as well not revealing what they are but there are some flashback scenes in this film mm. and when they choose to do those flashback sequences they're done kind of a bit sin city esque they're all black and white with pops of color mm. yeah. um which is i thought really cool 
Um, yeah. When you see there's there's a, a scene where someone is smoking a green, the cigarette comes up green. Uh, the the vivid green on the black and white image is really striking. Yeah, I like uh, the use and, of colour in this. And I like the use of the colour green as well because A, it's unusual for a cigarette to be green. Yeah. Uh, and B, it, it get, like the yellow lighting, it gives it that sort of more sickly presence which you'd expect from something of a hammer horror. Yeah. yeah. Um, the location's great. I, I don't think the location is necessarily shot to maximise its... The specialness the exterior yeah. i'd say is definitely true because there's like yeah. when he first approaches he looks up and it's like it's towering above him like this shock mm. and awe of this amazing massive mansion yeah. and then every shot we actually get of the outside of the mansion it's, it's in the distance yeah and it doesn't it, it doesn't correlate you want one of those like put the camera low on the ground looking up at it so it looks 100 feet tall yeah, yeah. or even like a low low sweeping shot of like the outside of it or something yeah. like that it, like, you know like when, he, when he enters Shawshank and there's that big sweeping shot over Shawshank I think the other the thing though is we never actually see the actor Scott Chambers outside the house in the same shot um, I don't believe we ever see that. We see him in the greenery area, like the, with the with the trees. Yeah, we see him walk up to the house, look up, and then the reverse shot of that is yeah. just the house in the distance. Are you thinking stock footage? I, I do wonder, because we never actually get a shot of him in front of that house. Well, it definitely seems like they, they had the, the house, because there was a lot of natural lighting with the yeah, house. Yeah, so but they... it may, the interiors may not have been that house. Yeah, that's possible, but it... it... But it just seems weird to always have, like, the establishing shots and even when he first approaches it, him and the house are never in the same shot and the house is always at a distance. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Like, if, if we had access to such a property... It it's would like be when I film your where... house, I have to be so many miles away from it in order for you not to see <laughs> what I'm recording. And yet you're always on the balcony peering through the curtains. <laughs> I think if I had access to that kind of property, though, I know what you mean, where you like you want your actors in every possible part of it, yeah. every nook and cranny. Uh, I don't just mean that. I mean, uh, I, I'm not. I don't want to hold this against the film in the sense that this it's a hammer film. It clearly isn't a massive budget. Yeah. Um, but so I, I'll tell you the scene that bothered me the most because it had potential to be the best scene in the film, and they squandered it. There's a bit. I think it's the first night that he's there. And he's walking through the house and we can hear Jekyll having a bit of a fit. And then Jekyll comes out and he hides by the staircase. And we're seeing Jekyll through the banister. And then Jekyll walks up the stairs and stops just above him. Why the fuck is there no wide shot where you can see both of them in the frame at the same time? I could see him crouched. And her above I think him. there was one, uh, but it was right towards the end of the sequence. Because honestly, I was it, watching it go in. Yeah. I don't think these actors were there on the same day. Yeah. There I is, think they've cut this together. There is one shot of it right towards the end, right. of, just as Eddie Izzard finishes, like starts mm. and to complete the walk up the stairs. Mm. That shot, I believe, is a uh, uh, is both of them together. Right, but it it does seem a bit weird earlier on. It's all close ups. Mm. Um, though I did find I called it like <laughs> when he first hides, Eddie Izzard comes out the room. And I made the joke it was going to be like the Velociraptor bit yeah. where like Eddie Izzard just starts sniffing it. And then Eddie Izzard actually does that in the yeah. film. And I was like, is he a Velociraptor? What the fuck, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's a strange choice because the fact that there is a sense of smell or he can smell Scott Chambers or any of that. It's never really established if he has any never, certain colognes or anything. Yeah, yeah, it's never established and it never yeah, comes that back. Kid, that kid ain't been showering, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> 
But it was just weird that, like, all of a sudden there's the possibility that Eddie Izzard can smell Scott Chambers yeah. for one it's, scene. It's and then like Jeepers away. Creepers all of a sudden. I was like, fucking hell, is he, <laughs> he going to sprout wings and be like, yes, thank you, Justin Long, I will have your eyes. Um, okay, I want to say something nice about the film, though, because I, I don't want to, you know, they've been so ever so nice to let us do this. Um, I actually didn't hate the film. No, no, it's not a bad film, it, by, by no stretch of the imagination. I was a little nostalgic for it, I'll be honest with you, because what it reminded me of was when I was a teenager and I was super, super into horror, like I didn't watch anything else, I just watched horror, I would watch things like the Horror Channel during the day. Mm. And obviously during the day, they don't show, you know, House of a Thousand Corpses and things like that. It would be stuff like, like this was relatively bloodless. Oh, yeah. yeah. Apart from a couple of it. It wasn't super gory. at the end were, but other than that, it it was, was pretty clean. It was quite light for a horror film i don't think there was much swearing either there wasn't a lot of swearing most hammer horrors though aren't particularly yeah because they can then be played during the day yeah that's the idea and you'd watch these films and they wouldn't be particularly good films like you wouldn't there wouldn't be films where you'd come away being like my mind just blown or oh my god i'm gonna see that film a billion times but you'd come away being like oh okay um, I actually, before this, so when, when, when I heard that Hammer had been on the line, I went and watched a few Hammer classics to sort of uh, rejog my memory, because it's been a while since I've watched a Hammer mm-hmm. film. I went and found um, The Abominable Snowman, or The Abominable Snowman of the Himalayas, because they all had like 50 fucking names. Mm-hmm. Um, I found uh, The Black Glove, which was also had another name, which is about a trumpeter who gets involved in a girl's suicide. Um and one that had... What was the other one? Oh, The Devil Rides Forth. Devil Rides Out. Right. Um, all sort of some, some you know, hot, hot hammer classics. Mm. I'll be perfectly honest with you. This doesn't... Obviously, they, they show a hammer classic in the early in the uh right at the very start don't they they yeah, show uh, credits like a hammer horror. yeah there's there's the satan it's the satanic rituals of dracula i think they showed it, or did they just show dracula it, i don't know there was the woman i thought was elvira and you both told me it wasn't. um but it, it it didn't have the same hammer magic i'd say what was the hammer magic you felt was missing there's just if if you if you showed me this film and when this is a, and, and didn't tell me who it was by, I would just assume it was by some indie company. Right. But I wouldn't, if you, I wouldn't have guessed horror. I wouldn't have guessed hammer. The only thing I would have guessed why is that they got the rights to a hammer film. Um, I, and obviously the idea at the start, but there's nothing particularly. And I, I think describing a film, a, a company's magic or a certain touch is, uh, difficult obviously to kind of compress what what makes a film i was just wondering if there was any specific elements that you because again i i haven't watched a lot of hammer horrors um so i'm just wondering if there's any specific elements that are normally in hammer horrors that you felt i think there's a certain earnestness and campness and um i felt it is i was pretty camp in this role it's i think it's time in it i don't think you can recapture hammer it's like 80s slashers. They keep trying to recapture 80s slashers. Yeah. You can't do it. Camp, then, it's yeah. a different type of film. Yeah. Everything, think... horror in general, I don't know if you agree, Benton, modern horror suffers so much from digital. 
yeah. it's so clean. I think everything looks too good, and you have the issue of what do you do with phones, and I think obviously you have the issue that people are so just numb to stuff now that everything has to be over the top that makes it even more numbing, and subtlety has kind of gone out the window, and every character has to be kind of quippy, which was nice about this. This was nice at this. Yeah, this, it doesn't do that. There was there were little bits of humour where he's like he goes to sign on the line, goes oh, actually put with it, you know, in the job interview, and he's a bit nervous. Oh yeah, he's he a bit, wrote his name in the signature bit. But this is the thing he's so foppish and so useless and so wet that you think, oh okay, this character is going to be really dorky and he's going to come around. And he's like, oh no, I'm a hardened criminal. But like they set him up as a as a as a dorky foppish yeah. boy, and it's so. I'm, I'm getting off. I'm, they could have, right. you know, they could have solved that by just having it, like you said, a couple more minutes to give backstory to the other guys. Just have it that, like, they were the actual hardened criminals. And he was the fall guy, and he was like their getaway driver, and they pinned everything on him. Yeah, yeah he, and they he, sort he was of the fall guy. Yeah, they bullied him yeah. into taking part. Um, this, I will say, looking on IMDb, there may be stuff that isn't on IMDb. Um, but the writer for this, Dan Kelly Mulhern, this is their first script on IMDb. Mm. As a, like, it's their first writing credit. Anyway. Well, I mean, well done for so, getting, getting into Hot Hammer on your first script, mate. Obviously, yeah. not your first script. I'm assuming it's the yeah. first published script. But or the first on IMDb, essentially, because they, yeah. they, maybe they've done a lot of indie stuff that isn't on there. Or there was that, I mean, there was stuff that we noticed at the start. We went, oh, that's very hand-wavy, or it's a setup. And then yeah. it turns out it was... I won't confirm, but it wasn't. It wasn't sloppiness. It was. Yeah. It was well thought out. See, there's just. I think it just needed a little. It needed some more personal touches. I think yeah. to take it over the goal line. Yeah. When I, I noticed, kind of uh, not early on, but sort of as that script, as that story was sort of coming to fruition on screen. I was fully intrigued as to you know the fact that they kept mentioning that his brother is his brother. Uh, and things he like mentions that. It five fucking yeah, times. It every it time he calls him, he's like, "I'm your brother." It's like, "Yeah, I know yeah. you're f- fucking." Yeah, brother. it's about family. <laughs> now, you guys stated at the time, I was like, that he, he keeps mentioning the brother, and you goes, "Yeah, it's kind of clunky, hammer horror dialogue." And I was like, "I actually think it's setting something up." In the end, we were both right because it was still clunky in the way that they'd done it, but it was setting something up. Yeah, it didn't pay off quite as well as I was hoping. That's a, you know some of the payoffs in this didn't work quite as well as I was hoping for, but at the very least I I do give it props for setting those things up early to pay them off later. That, I think that sums it up. I think that's the biggest problem with the film because like like you said, fair play. It's clearly an indie film. It's clearly low budget. Hammer's not a big studio, especially not in this day and age. This guy's a first time writer. Um, it's you know absolute full props amazing that they got it made i think the biggest problem in the film is it doesn't feel like the film builds to anything it feels like things just happen and then to paraphrase always sunny this carries on for about 90 minutes or so until the film just sort of ends yeah Yeah. there's a lot of conveniences he bumps into his crackhead girlfriend who once again she really needs some she needed another element to her rather than just being the worst human alive yeah there's a lot of stuff like that where it's and then, if and then is the connecting word, then you, you you're, it's kryptonite to a good script is and then this happens sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the third act is very and then. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, uh, should we bring this to a close? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, kind of final roundup thoughts then. Yeah, so roundup thoughts. Um, I'm very grateful that Hammer reached out to us. Um, I'm definitely keen to see more Hammer stuff in the future. I do not mind having watched this. I think, I basically... My 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 takeaway is this. 
if you are a diehard horror fan who loves horror films of all all scales of quality, <laughs> give this a watch. Uh, you won't hate it. You'll have a good time. You'll move on. You'll never think about it again. Uh, everyone else, like if you're if you're one of our listeners who sits there going, I like it when they talk about the meaning of the color purple <laughs> in The Shining, then this ain't for you. Move on. Yeah, I thought it was, like I say, it's perfectly adequate. I don't think nothing I saw when, oh my, you know, you know when you see something in a film where you're like, oh, that's so fucking horrendous. Martha in the Batman v Superman film. Why did you say that name? Like, you know, there's nothing there that made me particularly balk at it, but there was nothing there that made me go, like, oh, I've got to watch this again. I've got to show this to people. It's perfectly adequate. Is it. I thought for a minute you were just going to pull that face, and I was like, you know, they can't see you, Ben. <laughs> But at the same time, it, 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 is it the is it the the kickstart of a wonderful new era of Hammer horror? No, I I I I honestly don't believe it is. But I I think it was a good effort on everyone's behalf. I think there was just some casting issues, script issues, and whatnot. But um, thank you again for giving us the code. Sorry I shit on it, but. You know, we like to be honest here. <laughs> we, I did ask him if there was anything we weren't allowed to say, and he just said, have fun. So, uh, Personally, I actually did enjoy this film, um, and I'm not just saying that because we were giving it to watch. <laughs> uh, it's, I've been watching a lot of old films recently, things like The, uh, the Men and Gaslight and things like that, and I've just been, I've been... This felt very much more in line with those where instead of... It doesn't connect to the more slasher era of movies. It connects more to the drama. This is a melodrama as well, to be fair, as he said. You know, it is a little bit camp. It is a little over the top. Um, And, yeah, I like the fact that they tried to tell a more interesting character story. I don't think it necessarily landed um, because it, as we've mentioned, we needed a bit more sympathetic backstory to dr jekyll uh to bring that friendship together and also there could have been a little bit of a darker streak to the main guy but other than that it's it you know what i probably will watch this again just now that i've seen it and know all the story beats i'll probably watch it again to see if it would work better as a second take we could probably second take it this is in the a name of the of show time. yeah <laughs> we could probably second take this in a couple of years now that we know what the actual main be- plot beats are yeah. um yeah, so I'll probably watch this again, and I'd recommend it to people who... I mean, there's, I don't think there's a big audience for this, unfortunately, because I think most audiences are after something a bit more uh, slasher-oriented if they're into horror. And I don't... Unfortunately, as we found on Second Take Cinema, when we review old black and whites and things like that, there's not really much of a market for it in versus... Like, versus... People want Absolute trash, like Man of Steel... Um, and zombie strippers and zombie strippers our best our best day one download so far yeah <laughs> though I, I will say zombie strippers is a better made movie than man of steel oh yes. we'll we'll deal with that another time <laughs> we ain't but, got time for that fight but, but anyway the point is is i probably will watch this again um if only once more just to yeah. see how it all fits together i enjoyed it yeah. um but i don't think there is a big audience for it nowadays yeah. it needed to be a bit more slasher if it wanted to be more it was open more audience more slasher or more camp i yeah. think it needs to be one or t'other uh, where it sits in this middle camp i think it doesn't appease either side it's it's other yes oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> benson bringing out the eaton in me 
private school, don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Jekyll from the year of our Lord, 2024. It releases March 11th on most streaming platforms, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Rokuten, Sky. What the fuck is Rokuten? It's a, it's a, a USB stick you plug into your TV. Is it the there? full name of Roku? I've heard of yes, Roku. I think it might be. Right, cool. Either that or Rakuten is an... I don't know. Whatever. It's available on all of those. Check it out if you want. If you liked it, let us know what you thought about it. Info.impolarfilms at gmail.com. You can also check out our other show, VGMP, the video game movie podcast, where we talk about video game movies. Or join us again next week for more Second Take Cinema. You can also... Find us over at Haunted, the audio drama, uh, our audio drama series that by the time this airs will be just on the cusp of beginning to air its season two finale. Um, So very exciting. Uh, You can find us on all good podcasting apps. Just search the name of the show, Second Take Cinema, VGMP, Haunted, the audio drama, or search in Parlor Films and all three shows come up. Three foot price or one. You can't do better than that. Mm. Thank you so much to Hammer for contacting us and giving us this wonderful opportunity. And we will see you next time for a second take. <laughs>